بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم عن ابي رقيه تميم بن اوس الداري رضي الله عنه ان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال الدين النصيحه قلنا لمن قال لله ولكتابه ولرسوله ولائمه المسلمين وعاماتهم وعامتهم رواه رواه مسلم رواه الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاه والسلام على رسول الله وعلى اله وصحبه وبعد this hadith is hadith number 7 in the Arba'een al-Nawawiyya in which the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam is reported to have said ad-deenun nasiha religion is sincerity or religion is sincere advice kulna we said meaning the companions of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam said when they heard the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam saying ad-dinu religion nasiha is sincere advice or sincerity kulna liman we said sincerity to whom qala he said sallallahu alayhi wasallam lillahi azza wa jal sincerity to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wa li kitabihi and sincerity to his book wa li rasulihi and sincerity to his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa li a'immatil muslimina and sincerity to the imams of the muslims wa 'amatihim and the general people among the muslims when rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam says ad-dinu the religion nasiha is sincerity it's as if he is saying the whole deen is based on sincerity without sincerity there is no deen that's exactly what he's saying it's like he's saying sallallahu alaihi wasallam al-hajj arafa Hajj is Arafah. What this hadith means is that if there is no Arafah, then there is no Hajj. If a person goes to Hajj and does not go to Arafah, then there is no Hajj for him. In other words, Arafah is the most important pillar of Hajj. Also, like the saying of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam, I forget the other hadith. which is similar to al-hajj arafa and ad-din an-nasiha when rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam says ad-din an-nasiha he means all the three stages of din we learned about three stages of religion i don't know if anyone can remind me of what the three stages of the religion of islam are Islam has three levels which are mamadu Islam Ihsan not before Ihsan 
Iman and the third level, Ihsan. So at all levels of deen, whether Islam or Iman or Ihsan, this deen is based on sincerity, being sincere, being true. Without sincerity, we have no deen. Then the Sahaba radiallahu anhum wanted to find out sincerity to whom are we supposed to be sincere? And the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam counts out Lillahi azza wa jal Sincerity to Allah Walikitabihi Sincerity to the book of Allah Being true to the book of Allah Walirasulihi Being true to his Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam Waliaimmatil muslimin being true to the imams of the Muslims, the leaders of the Muslims, and being true to the general people. If you're sincere with Allah, you're sincere with the book of Allah, you are sincere with the messenger of Allah, you are sincere with the leaders of the Muslims and their imams, and you are sincere with the general Muslims, then you have the true deen, the correct deen. How can we be sincere with Allah? Sincerity with Allah means tawheed, monotheism. There is nothing more important in this deen than tawheed, monotheism, to worship Allah alone. Musa alayhi salatu wasalam said, Ya Rabb, my Lord, Alimni, teach me kalimatan, a word, Azkuruka wa ad'uka biha, a word with which I can remember you and also call upon you. Allah said to him, Ya Musa, Qul la ilaha illallah. Say there is no one worthy of worship except Allah. He said, Ya Rabb, my Lord, all your slaves, the messengers that you sent, said the same phrase, La ilaha illallah. I want something different, a different slogan for myself. I do not want the same La ilaha illallah. It's the slogan everyone has been using. No one worthy of worship except Allah. Allah said to him, Ya Musa, O Musa, Law anna samawati sabr. If the seven skies and everything they contain, of course, with the exception of Allah, and the seven earths, were to be put on one side, and la ilaha illallah on the other side, La ilaha illallah would be heavier. The meaning of the hadith is that there is nothing more important. The seven skies, the seven earths, and everything they contain put together can never be as important as tawheed, monotheism. La ilaha illallah. There is no one deserving of worship except Allah. And this is the first sincerity. Being sincere to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ad-deenun nasiha, religion is sincerity. Being sincere to Allah will mean worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in perfect 
and total tawheed which is not mixed with any form of shirk. And I explained earlier, in order for us to be able to understand this tawheed, the ulama have easily divided tawheed into three parts. At-tawheedul uluhiyya, wa-tawheedul rububiyya, wa-tawheedul asma'i wa-sifat. At-tawheedul rububiyya, which I explained earlier, means to acknowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only creator. There is no other creator apart from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and everything that exists is created by Allah. At-Tawheedul Uluhiyya means to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone without ascribing any partners to him. The first qa'ida in the qawa'idul arba' the four principles which we learnt, the, sec the second, or was it the first? The first qa'ida is, I'lam, you must know, anna al-kafirina alladhina qatalahum al-nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam kanu muqirrina على أن الله هو الخالق الرازق المحيي المميت المدبر لجميع الأمور ولم يدخلهم ذلك في الإسلام. The first principle is that you must know that the non-believers that the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم fought against the Quraysh, his tribesmen and all the Arabs that fought against the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم مقرين acknowledged. They acknowledged, they knew, and they acknowledged Anna Allaha, that Allah huwa al-khaliqu, he is the creator. Wal-raziqu, and that Allah is the provider. Al-muhyi, the one who gives life. Al-mumit, the one who gives death. Al-mudabbir li jami' al-umur, that Allah is the one who runs all the affairs of the universe. Walam yudkhilhum thalika fi al-islam, but that did not make them Muslims. They acknowledge that Allah is the creator. They acknowledge that Allah is the sustainer. They acknowledge that Allah runs the affairs of the universe, but they did not become Muslims by that. Because this is only a part of Tawheed and it's called Tawheedul Rububiyya. Simply acknowledging Allah as the creator, the sustainer, is not enough to make one a Muslim. In order for a person to be a proper Muslim, he has to acknowledge that only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has to be worshipped. What dalilu qawluhu ta'ala? And the dalil is in the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَلَئِنْ سَأَلْتَهُمْ مَنْ خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ لَيَقُولُنَّ اللَّهِ When you ask them who created the heaven and the earth, they will say, Allah, Allah is the one who created them. But that did not make them Muslims, they were still kuffar. So sincerity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala means all types of worship must be rendered only to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The perfect tawheed in rububiyya, the perfect tawheed in uluhiyya, the perfect tawheed in al-asma' wa sifat in the description of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the way he has described himself, alladhi laysa kamithlihi shay', nothing is like him, wa huwa sami'ul basir, he is the seeing, the knowing, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Being sincere to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also means loving him, subhanahu wa ta'ala and obeying his commands. What he has made haram, we treat as haram. And what he made halal, we treat as halal. This is sincerity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he said, Lillahi azza wa jal, wali kitabihi, and being sincere to his book. Our sincerity to the book of Allah. 
You must believe that the Quran is the word of Allah. He spoke the Quran. He didn't create the Quran. Allah did not create the Quran. Allah spoke the Quran. It's his word. Allah has said that in the Quran. If one of the mushrikeen is your neighbor, give him respite until he hears, hears what? Kalam Allah, Allah's words. The Quran is the word of Allah. Which he gave to the messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam through Jibreel alayhi salatu wasallam. Allah spoke the Quran and gave it to Jibreel, and Jibreel alayhi salatu wasallam recited the Quran to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and it is the Quran that we have today. You must know it is the greatest miracle that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to any of his messengers. It's greater than any miracle you may think about. If you think of certain miracles that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to different messengers, there are miracles that happened at that time, and those miracles are long forgotten, and they do not benefit anyone today. For example, in the crossing of Musa alayhi salatu wasalam, the Red Sea, on dry land, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala separated the sea for Musa alayhi salatu wasalam, there is a great miracle in that. But if you ask yourself, how does that miracle serve us today? Obviously, it, it doesn't. In the creation of Isa alayhi salatu wasalam, food for people to eat, according to the narrations of the Christians, uh, there were five loaves of bread, and he created a lot of bread from the five loaves, and there were... Uh, two fish and he created a lot of fish from the two obviously people ate and they benefited but when you look at how does that benefit us today obviously there's uh, little benefit from the the fish and the bread do do we eat that bread today do we eat the fish today the greatest mu'jiza the greatest miracle which is everlasting that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is everlasting guidance. A book that never runs out of guidance. No matter how developed the world is going to be. This book always has the solutions. It always has the answers to whatever problems we're going to face today in the future and the problems that were faced in the past. It's a miracle of the past, a miracle of today and a miracle of the future. It is azali. In the same way that the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not have an end, the Quran doesn't have an end. It continues. We're going to recite the Quran forever. And the guidance of the Holy Quran is forever. But we have a responsibility towards this Quran, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. We have to be sincere and nasiha to be true to this Quran. We don't have to be uh, deceptive in as far as the Quran is concerned. We deceive only ourselves. Our responsibility is to learn the Quran. Our responsibility is to understand the Quran. Our responsibility is to contemplate the Quran. Our responsibility is to fall in love with the Quran. 
That's why Allah sent it. We somehow have neglected the Quran. I mentioned before that there are three ways in which we can neglect the Quran. Some people neglected the Quran because they do not read it at all. And they don't even bother to learn how to read it at all. This is neglecting the Quran. وَقَالَ الرَّسُولُ And the messenger said, Ya Rabb, my Lord, إِنَّ قَوْمِ اتَّخَذُوا هَذَا الْقُرْآنَ مَهْجُورًا My people have neglected this Quran by not learning it. They don't care about it. I'll tell you one business in which there is no loss, and that is the business of learning Quran. If you decide, for example, that you want to memorize the Quran, and you try for 10 years trying to memorize the Quran, and you don't manage to memorize it, you haven't lost. You have not lost. In the 10 years that you tried to memorize the Quran, can you imagine how many times you read it? And how many rewards you got for every letter? وَلَا أَقُولُ لَكُمْ أَلِفْ لَا مِيمْ حَرْفْ أَلِفْ لَا مِيمْ is not a letter. Alif is a letter. Lam is a letter. Mim is a letter. And for every letter in the Quran, you get 10 rewards. For every letter. Just saying Alif, La, Mim, you have 30 rewards. There is no loss. You say, I'm going to apply myself to the Quran. I want to learn. I want to memorize the Quran. And you try for 10 years and fail to memorize it. You didn't fail. You have made a lot of thawab in trying to memorize the Quran. You try to memorize Surah Al-Baqarah, and in trying to memorize Surah Al-Baqarah, if you sat down and counted how many times you read Surah Al-Baqarah, you found you probably finished it 500 times. That is a lot of thawab. There is no loss in this business. If you learn it, alhamdulillah. If you don't learn it, you still don't lose out because you made a lot of thawab in trying to learn the Quran. No matter what age you are, you may be 80 years old, 90 years old, give it a try. Some people will say at the age of 70, you think you would learn the Quran and where are you going to take it? It's not about that. It's about the effort. Even if I don't learn it, I'm making a lot of thawab in trying. Inna Allah la yudhi'u ajr al-muhsinin. Inna Allah la yudhi'u ajr al-muslihin. It's a wonderful reward. And besides, it's being true to the book of Allah. So some people neglected the Qur'an because they didn't read it. Some people read the Qur'an, but they neglected it because they did not understand it. And they didn't try to understand it. That's neglecting the Qur'an, being not true to the Qur'an. Ad-deenun religion is sincerity. That's being insincere to the Qur'an. Some people understood the Qur'an, but they neglected it because they did not practice what they learned in the Qur'an. That is neglecting the Qur'an. So we could neglect the Qur'an in three ways. Either we don't read it, or we read it and don't understand it, and don't try to understand it. Or we could read it and understand it and fail to practice it. The first stage is learning how to read it. The second stage is trying to understand it. The third stage is trying to practice the Qur'an. And you can imagine... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us in the Qur'an, وَنُنَزِّلُ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ مَا هُوَ شِفَاءٌ وَرَحْمَةٌ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ And we send in the Qur'an what is a mercy and a cure to the believers. 
a cure for their hearts. وَشِفَاءٌ لِمَا فِي الصُّدُورِ This Quran is a cure for the diseases which are found in the hearts of men. The doctors can cure your physical diseases. But a doctor cannot cure the diseases of the heart. You think a doctor can give you tablets for hypocrisy? You think a doctor can give you uh, 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 tablets for namima so that you stop uh, 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 carrying lies from one place to another? Is there such medicine in the hospital? Can a doctor give you medicine to stop ghibah, to stop backbiting people? You ever heard of such medicine? Such medicine is not found in hospitals. The medicine of the heart is found in the Quran. The Quran is the only medicine. When someone is sick, Rasulullah encouraged us to uh, read Ruqya, Quran, in the water and blow it and give it to the person. And the Ruqya works perfectly. From my experience, there are many people, Alhamdulillah, I've made Ruqya for, and they came back and said, Alhamdulillah, this, this Ruqya has worked. Now you try to imagine, this is, I recited the Quran and blew it in water and gave it to someone and the person felt better. What about the person who is reciting and swallowing the saliva? So if you can recite the Quran and blow it in water, and a person gets shifa from it. I dare ask you, can you imagine what is going to happen to your heart if you recite it every day? And obviously you have to swallow your own saliva. Can you imagine what it would do to your heart? Day in, day out, reciting the Quran. And this blessed saliva with Quran in it, you keep swallowing. That's why it's very rare. Illa masha'Allah, except when Allah wills. But it's very rare that a person who recites Quran every day, who suffer from depression or any other such things, but that's rare. That doesn't happen. They will suffer from other diseases, but not depression. Depression, no, no. Diseases of the heart, being worried, worrying about, about things uh, until, until you have a heart attack, that, that doesn't happen to the people of the Quran. The Quran cures that. That's, that's not one of their diseases. Depression is not one of them, unless they also neglect the Quran. But if you recite the Quran every day, happiness is your portion. Happiness will forever be there. Whether you get what you want or you don't get it, it's found in the Quran. So, Adinun Nasiha, this religion is sincerity to Allah, to His book. Wali Rasulihi unto his messenger, being sincere to the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa How can we be sincere to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Ta'atuhu fima amar. To obey him in what he commanded. Wajtinab manaha anhu wazajar. And to stay away from the things which he forbade sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Tasdiquhu fima akhbar. To confirm and say what he taught us, everything he taught us, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is true. وَأَلَّا يُعْبَدَ اللَّهِ And that Allah should not be worshipped, إِلَّا بِمَا شَرَعَ 
except by the Sharia that he gave us sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That is being true to the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam and on top of that, loving him sallallahu alayhi wasallam. If we follow him sallallahu alayhi wasallam in what he commanded and we believe everything he taught us sallallahu alayhi wasallam and we don't worship Allah except by the Sharia which he gave us sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And we stay away from all the things that he commanded us to stay away from. And we love him and follow him. Then we have been sincere to the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa Without sincerity to Allah. Without sincerity to the book of Allah. Without sincerity to the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa We don't have deen. Because a deen nasiha. I was saying, I forgot the other hadith in which the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam used this phrase, it came to me. The hadith is, Qawluhu sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Ad-du'a'u huwa al-ibadah. Du'a is ibadah. It's like the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam is saying, without du'a, there is no ibadah. He's saying the most important component of ibadah is du'a. It's the same uslub, the same style that the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is using here. Uh, you, you, know, you, you don't have to shout it every time, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Once is enough, the rest, please listen, inshallah. Jazakallah khairan. Naam. Ad-du'a'u huwa al-ibadah. Du'a is ibadah. In other words, ibadah is, is the most important component of... Uh, sorry, du'a is the most important component of ibadah. The whole salah is du'a. Everything we do is du'a. In the same way, religion is sincerity, meaning sincerity is the most important component of deen. Lillahi, wali kitabihi, wali rasulihi, wali a'immatil muslimin. And to the imams of the Muslims. I want to divide imams into two. When we use the phrase imam in sharia, we mean one of two things. A leader in the Sharia is called an Imam. He doesn't have to be an Imam in the mosque. Any leader is considered an Imam. The leader of the country is an Imam, the Imam of the country. He doesn't have to be the one who leads Salah. The leader of your community is your Imam. Then we also use Imam in the sense of a man who leads Salah in the mosque and leads the people in issues of deed. Maybe I should start with the imams, as in the leaders in the masajid and issues of deen. How can we be sincere to them? I will tell you something. There is a big difference between scandalizing an ordinary person and scandalizing an imam. There's a very, very big difference. It's bad to scandalize a Muslim. If someone, for example, a Muslim is doing something bad and I scandalize them, I say some things about them and tell the people and so on, it's a bad thing, it's namima. But it's nothing close to scandalizing an imam. When you scandalize an imam, you take away a great benefit from the society. Because an imam is the leader of of a society, he stands in front of people, he gives them advice, and he leads them in issues of deen. 
The moment you stand up and scandalize him, it means there will be no trust between the imam and the general people. And that great benefit to the community, which the imam is supposed to render, is lost. For everyone. Everyone is going to lose. I want to give you a practical example. An imam leads people in salah, and people follow him. He gives them bayan, and they listen to him, and they respect, to him, I mean, they respect him. Then someone comes and says, this imam drinks beer. He scandalizes him that way. He drinks beer. So people no longer trust him. When, when he speaks about something, no one wants to listen to him anymore. They don't have any trust in him. Do you see what great benefit the society has lost because of scandalizing an imam? Because you scandalized him, whatever used to take place, all the bayans, muhadarat, whatever, all that sincerity is not going to be there anymore. No one trusts him anymore. You've scandalized an entire community, and the community has lost a great benefit. Are you understanding the difference? There is a big difference. And nasiha means sincerity, but at the same time it means advice. I want to give you a principle. Never advise a person if you are not interested in their welfare. Advise a person only if you are interested in their well-being. Don't advise someone in order to scandalize them. Advising has two main pillars. Firstly, advice cannot be dispatched in public. Advice must be dispatched privately. And no one should know that advice has been dispatched. Once you give advice to someone, don't say, I advised him concerning such and such a thing. It's supposed to be private between you and the person. Secondly, you have to advise him in the best manner possible that will not annoy him. Allah Ta'ala says to Musa and Harun, when they were going to the Pharaoh, Fir'aun, Go and speak to him in very nice, soft words. To go and speak to him in soft words, nice words. Ya Allah, this man is saying, He's saying he is Allah. But Allah says, go and speak to him in kind words and nice words. If Fir'aun, a kafir, who claims to be Allah, must be advised nicely and softly. What about a man who makes sajda to Allah and says, Subhana Rabbi al-A'la, doesn't he deserve that? Fir'aun says, Ana Rabbukum al-A'la, I'm your Lord, the Most High. But Allah says, speak to him softly, speak to him nicely. What about a man who puts his forehead to the ground and says, Subhana Rabbi al-A'la, glory be to my Lord at the Most High. Doesn't he deserve that? He does deserve it. So privacy and kindness in dispatching advice. And that can only happen when you have the best interest of that person at heart. If you want something good for him, that is the way you're going to follow after the other, inshallah.
So, Adinun Nasiha, this religion is sincerity. Lillahi to Allah, Wali Kitabihi unto his book, Wali Rasulihi to his messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Wali Aimatil Muslimi and the leaders of the Muslims. So after talking about the Aimah, the Imams, who are the Imams of the Masajid, I need to talk about the leaders, the Imams who are our leaders, maybe in the country, in the community. They are generally referred to also as Aimah, the Imams. These also have to be given their right. The right they have to be given is that they have to be obeyed when they command us to do what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed. But we should not obey them if they command us to do what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forbidden. We should obey them when they command us to do what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed and permitted. We're not allowed to obey them if they command what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not permitted. They also need to be advised and the same principles apply to them. The advice is supposed to be in privacy and the advice is supposed to be in a proper manner, in a good manner. And this advice to the leaders is faradhu kifaya. Faradhu kifaya means something which if done by one person or two people, then the rest of the people don't need to do it. It's not everyone that has to stand up and advise the leader. One or two people could advise the leader. And that should be enough and it should be done in privacy. Islam stands totally against the principle of people standing in public in order to criticize their leaders. This is totally un-Islamic. A leader is not criticized in public. A leader is advised and not advised by everyone, advised by a number of people. And when they advise him, they won't come to you and tell you that they have advised the leader. We have so much happening in the world today where certain decisions that could be perceived as wrong decisions have been made by our leaders in the Islamic countries. And many of us have stood up openly on social media and condemned our leaders. I want to tell you now that is wrong. You should not do that. The Muslim leaders are going to make mistakes, but don't take to social media to condemn them. You are not allowed to do that. They have a group of people that must advise them. And when they advise them, they will not come to you to report. Don't accept, I mean, expect any alim to come to you and report saying, I advised the king and the king refused. Is that what you expect? And people are busy insulting the ulama today. If the kings are doing this, then where are the ulama? Why are the ulamas not speaking? Where do you want the ulama to speak? In the newspapers? You want the ulama to come out in the newspapers and on television to condemn their leaders? That's un-Islamic. That's why little ilm is a dangerous thing. A person has to have ilm. A person must have knowledge in order to know how to conduct himself in the society. So the ulama try their level best and they advise the leaders. If the leaders say no, or the leaders don't follow what the ulama tell them, the ulama will keep quiet. They will not come out to you and report that they advise the leaders and the leaders did not follow. It's against our religion. And everywhere you are, 
in any country, in any community, whether the leader is a Muslim or not a Muslim, do not criticize any leader openly. You're not allowed to do that. Do not even do it in your home. Because you are teaching your children bad manners, not respecting authority. Authority has to be respected. In the home, say only good things about your leaders. Don't say bad things about your leaders. You're setting a bad example. You are raising rebellious children. You are a leader yourself in your home. As a husband, you need to be respected. You're not the most perfect husband in the world. You make mistakes. And if your wife went out criticizing you everywhere, in front of the children and in front of everyone, I'm sure you wouldn't like that. You want to be respected despite your weaknesses. And our leaders will also be respected despite their weaknesses. So give them advice and nasiha. And we also need to give advice the general Muslims. We need to be sincere to them. We need to give them sincere advice. The same principles of advice, you talk to them in private and you respect them and respect their privacy. I keep saying this hadith, Kullul Muslim al-Muslim haram. The whole Muslim for another Muslim is haram. Damuhu, his blood is haram. Wamaluhu, his money is haram. Wa'irduhu, his private life, his integrity is haram for you. Do not talk about anyone's private life. Never talk about anyone's wife. Never talk about anyone's children. Never talk about anyone's house. That is not your responsibility. That's his irf, his integrity. Do not involve yourself. If the wife doesn't wear hijab, that's not your responsibility. If you can offer advice, follow the principles of advice, go and offer advice, but don't talk about his wife for not wearing hijab. If the daughters don't wear hijab, that's not your responsibility. That's his irf, that's his integrity. Don't talk about him. It's his responsibility. If you feel he has to be helped, advise him privately. And advise him in a proper manner. But do not make fun of him. All of us make mistakes. And all of us need advice. All of us need sincerity. We have to be sincere to each other. If we follow this, we are sincere to Allah, we are sincere to the book of Allah, we are sincere to the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. we are sincere to our imams and sincere to our leaders and sincere to ourselves as Muslims, we have a religion. أقول ما تسمعون وأستغفر الله العظيم لي ولكم ولسائر المسلمين فاستغفروه فهو أهل التقوى وأهل المغفرة.